0: A lot of fun over the weekend at Cork & Carey at 106th and Western for the Southside Irish Parade. It was wet, it was snowy, it was cold, there was rain, and nobody seemed to care. First of all, we were indoors during the parade, Ed, and then uh, there was the patio out there with all the heaters, and it it did not seem to stop the crowd one bit. I would say the parade had less people standing along the side of the road, but Cork & Carey was live and hopping throughout the bands afterwards we handed out a ton of socks in the basement swag the koozies and somebody actually grabbed one of the banners and uh, took it home with them it was not a socks in basement banner somebody swiped one of the Southside pod banners off the wall uh and i get it i understand it's a cool like it's a handsome banner right it's like a chicago flag and the top like blue line is a south side silhouette of a neighborhood with like a water tower and a factory and some houses close together and so I, it's in somebody's basement somewhere. It's not mine anymore.
1: Or they used it as a blanket that night, either way. <laughs> it might have been used as a blanket.
0: I mean, it was one of the smaller ones, and so it was probably easy for them to, like, you know, hey, man, hey, man, hey, man, stick this under your shirt. We're walking out right now. And and, and it's fine. I'm going to start selling those banners, I've decided. We're going to put a store together because people are always asking if they can take them, and, now they, and they get swiped all the time. So why not sell them? I mean, they're not—they're not that expensive. I'm gonna—I'm gonna put those up very soon here for the season.
1: What do you mean they're not that expensive? They're incredibly expensive. They're—they—they're they, they're very expensive and cost prohibitive, and that's why they're gonna be sold for very for, for a premium amount. But you know what? It's worth the premium. Right, exactly.
0: But anyway, it was a—it was a good time, and uh, we're gonna have a great time all year long at Cork and Carry at the park. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show, Shadow of the Ballpark, 33rd in Princeton, the home of the podcast for fans by fans. Socks in the basement, uh, extensive bar, a great time before the game, during the game, after the game, before the game, bring the whole family out, uh, get them fed, make it part of your ballpark tradition, a tradition that's gonna see quicker games. And you know, why go in there and miss three innings looking for the pretzel brat when you can get yourself fed beforehand and stop by afterwards for a post-game beer, let that lot empty out and then head home, especially because it's gonna be ending sooner. I think you're going to find a lot more time to be a cork and carry at the park. See more at corkandcarry.com. Uh, I'm very excited about the fact that the U.S. got its butt kicked by Mexico because the sooner we can get Timmy Anderson back to keep working on the transition between second base and short with Elvis Andros, the better. And I want Lance Lynn healthy and back with the White Sox.
1: Am I a selfish baseball fan, Ed? Nope, not at all. You are absolutely where every baseball fan is that has some of their favorite team's players playing in the World Baseball Classic because they just – I don't want to say we don't have national pride on the line here, but the fact is is that when you've got some guys that are playing for Canada that you thought were from Omaha, you know, you're you're <laughs> sitting there going, I just don't know – I don't know how much I really – this really matters. But also, you know, I mean, we've got – what? We've got players on Team Cuba. Like, I, I want to see Luis Robert do well. I want to see on Mankata do really well, right, individually – I don't know if I care if their team goes very far, but yeah. So I mean, with Team USA getting its butt whooped, okay, you know that that's fine. If bring me back Lance Lynn, bring me back Tim Anderson, let him work with Elvis Andrews, let him let him show show us what he's got, and get ready for the season and get us pumped because you know I, I'm I'm much more interested in seeing that in some ways and having a traditional spring training than I am with with the sideshow here. I I was trying to
0: explain to my mother we were at like a little gathering over at my sister's house on Saturday. And I was trying to explain to her who the players were that were making up the teams because she sees us all watching the game between the US and Great Britain where uh, we were just making fun of those Great Britain uniforms. like what I was it say
1: by the way, did Great Britain not get the memo that they needed uniforms? <laughs> did they show up Did they, they just go to a place there's like you know 10 minute. Screen printing down, or, or is it like one of their, one of their you know, the player's wives has a cricket and she just did all the unis the night before? I mean, it looked like somebody showed up and said, wait
0: a minute, we need uniforms. And they're like, well, where are we going to get those? And then when they got them printed, they were like, how would you like the print? Well, just like, I don't know, put it in Ariel. Times New Roman. And yeah. Em- Bold it. Like, and it'll be perfectly fine. We need a gray one and a white one and maybe put the Union Jack on the sleeve. We're done. Like, <laughs> How, how does that instill national pride in the World Baseball Classic? Like, who's going out buying that uniform overseas on the other side of the pond?
1: Like, who's sporting um, one of those things? I, I don't know. I don't know if there's any British people who are looking at that, going, you know what? I'm, I've got to have one of them right there. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's just, what I need right there. It's so dumb. They're, they're,
0: but I was trying to explain to my mom, like she was like, she was like, well, are these all Major League Baseball players? I said, for the U.S., it's an all-star team. Like, they have just oodles of talent. There's nobody on this team that isn't a pro. I mean, their pitching staff is weak, let's be honest. But their lineup is a murderer's row if they get going. And, in fact, they were pressing at the beginning of the game against Great Britain. Uh, Everybody's trying to hit a home run. Uh, Everybody's trying to clear the bases. And it took them a little bit to get going. And that may be their Achilles heel. Everybody knows they're great and they should win. And I think they're pressing a little bit up there at the plate. But... But the other thing I was trying to explain to her is, like, this is an all-star team. And some of these guys on the other team are Americans who have, like, a family member or a relative that once lived in Great Britain. And so they they couldn't make this team, so they're over here. And that's where the national pride thing comes in. I mean, we got a lot of guys on teams that you're like, really? Are, really? Like, like that, guy, that guy's got, he's got some, like, ancestor, and I'd say, like, oh, yeah, he's like one-eighth what? And, and that's why I, it doesn't get me very excited. I'm more concerned about the Sox. Like I said at the beginning, when this thing was kicking off, I didn't want anybody from the White Sox in this except Yohan Moncada, And it's working out for Yohan because he is coming out of his shell. He's playing with his countrymen, and he is playing well for them. You know, you see the highlights the other day from the World Baseball Classic, and it's all Yohan for Team Cuba. Right now, 17 at bats over four games as we sit here and record at this moment. He's six for 17. He's got a home run and two doubles and five RBI. He's in 353 with a 1068 OPS. Small sample size, but exactly what you want Yoan Moncada to do to build that confidence, to be confident at the plate, to be a star. For his country, so it can hopefully carry over to good feelings and and some positivity from a guy that we've heard we've heard from people that covered the team. You heard Ozzie Guillen in the pre and post game talk about how hard he is on himself and how much expectations he puts on himself. This is what you wanted from Yoan, and you're seeing it. That's the positive I'm getting so far from the WBC for the Sox.
1: And and that is really the best case scenario, right? is somebody like Yohan Moncada gets away from the team, goes out there, is playing, having fun, getting out of his own head, not really putting pressure on himself. He's not there with White Sox fans. He's not there with Stone and Benetti. He's not there with even Pedro, right? He's not there with his coaching staff. He's just out there and he's loose and he's having fun and presumably he's healthy. I know he was claiming his injuries last year, really, really did a number on him. But if he's feeling good mentally, physically, and he's having a good time, yeah, if he can come back and carry that in, you know, he comes back for a few spring training games or, or you know, to start the season even, hopefully, uh, and and he is just putting the bat on the ball and making good things happen, even if it's not going out of the ballpark, even if it's not always doubles. If he's just sitting there getting hits, getting on base, maybe stealing a couple of bags, just out there having fun and and, and messing things up for the other team, Hell, we'll take it. Like, that is exactly what we want from Yohan Moncada. I mean, I, I, I compared him in mismatched socks this week to Anthony Rendon and Alex Bregman, right? I'm going with the AL West this week. And their numbers, their projected numbers are only like 260 and 20 home runs. If Yohan Moncada can hit 260 and 20 home runs, he's right up there with the best of, of the third baseman in the AL West, right? Right, and I'll take that. Good above average. A guy that's got a little bit of clutch
0: in him. And you, and you saw that in, in one of his recent games here for the WBC. In fact, there was a thing where it was like, look at how Yoan Moncada led his team. I think it was against Panama. And it was like, look at how he led his team. But when I saw the highlights, the other guy that was driving in runs was Luis Robert. Except I was concerned about how he was driving in runs. Now, I know, again, small sample size. You can't get too excited about Yohan, although I want feelings of positivity for that kid, and I want him to come back, and I want him to have a good season for this team. I'm not expecting him to be a world beater. I'm not expecting him to lead the, the White Sox to glory, but he could really help out if he gets out of his own head and starts becoming what he's capable of becoming. Not these lofty expectations, but what he's capable of becoming. Meanwhile, Luis Robert, we talked about in the last show. I'll, I'll repeat it. I brought it back up. CBS sports doing a little list of of players to watch in the WBC when you're trying to project their offensive output, mainly for fantasy baseball purposes. And after talking about you want Luis Robert to be healthy, it also goes on to say that we'd like to see him driving the ball in the air consistently after his launch angle dropped to a career low 10 degrees last season. Robert still made plenty of contact and hit the ball hard, but it was too often on the ground. We want doubles and homers, not singles. Those highlights where you is, you know, basically bringing Cuba back and putting on runs on Panama. He also showed Luis Robert getting dink singles. Also showed like one of his RBIs, just a weak ground out. Showed one of the hit down the third baseline. I, I felt like if he's going up against a major league third baseman, he's probably just a, you know, a five, three out. It was not, it was not strong at all. He is still not Luis Robert yet. And it's very important he becomes Luis Robert because he is integral to what the White Sox offense is going to be in the 2023 season. Socks in the Basement listeners, switch to a new age of life or help the loved one that is getting to a transitionary point in their life to switch to that new age of life. We're talking about Hyatt home medical equipment. These folks will make sure that the home is safer, that it's easier for, let's say, grandma and grandpa to get around, mom and dad to get around the home. Maybe maybe it's you, maybe you've had a surgery recently. Anything from the, the complicated things like lifts that go up and down stairs and ramps in and out of the house to just simply aids around the house to prevent fall risk, setting up the house with apps that open and close doors and windows and do all kinds of really cool things to avoid assisted living. That's the whole idea behind this. People wanna stay, in their homes and independent. And they're going to work with your insurance. If you mention socks in the basement, you get additional money off as well. I want you to check out everything they have to offer, including their CPAP technology for those with sleep apnea at hhme.com or stop in and see them in their showroom and talk to a person about your needs. There might be something you don't even know exists that could help you out at 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. I'm pumped for Oscar Colas. Oh, yeah. I want to kind of look at, like, some of the things that are going on in spring training, but let's just start off with Oscar Colas because I'm I'm done. I've drank the Kool-Aid. I'm excited. I'm kind of ticked off. They didn't have him up for the stretch run last year. Like, I'm starting to wonder why wasn't this guy brought up in September to see whether or not he could have given a spark to this team.
1: Because Tony wouldn't have played him.
0: Like, we're, we're talking about a guy, 12 for 30 in his first 14 games, with two bombs, with two bombs, He's only struck out once. He's hitting 400, slugging 633, on base at 419 for a 105 to OPS. Who's going to go and stand in right field? Like I, I have dreams of a Rookie of the Year run out of the. I mean, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. But this, this guy can play. He can hit. He can field. He's got speed. I'm excited about what I'm seeing right now. If he's not the right fielder opening day, I don't care if he has like a little bit of a slump here or he goes through something for a week in spring training and he doesn't have those gaudy numbers. That's the right fielder, and I can't wait to see him out there.
1: No, this is absolutely what, as a White Sox fan, when you, when you looked at the offseason, you went, okay, well, where's where's the, the move besides Andrew Benintendi, right? where's Where's the other bat that we're supposed to be getting here? when the answer was Oscar Colas, Oscar Colas, Oscar Colas, you're sitting there going, eh, all right, you know, because we've seen the prospect train before, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. That's how prospects function in the major leagues. But this guy looks really comfortable at the plate. Like, he is just absolutely doing everything you expect him to do. We were talking about Luis Robert hitting little dinky singles. Oscar Colas is hitting the ball on the button, right? He's got a double. He's got two home runs. It's not always about putting the ball over the fence, but – he is getting solid at-bats. He's getting solid hits. He is putting the bat on the ball. He is making contact, and it's evident by his 400 batting average. It's evident by the fact that he's only struck out once. Now he's also only walked once, which means that he's swinging, right? So he's not taking pitches. He's not, he's not doing the Miguel Vargas for the Dodgers thing where he's not allowed to swing the bat for the first you know, 10 at-bats of his uh, spring training. But that's okay. I, I don't necessarily need him to work the count. If he's going to be making solid contact all year, and he's not going to hit 400 and he's not going to lead the league in home runs or anything along those lines. But still, this is just so encouraging, and it is so amazing to see somebody just be excited about a White Sox rookie. When's the last time that happened for us?
0: I don't know. I, see, I'm gonna act like it's been a, it's been forever, but I I was excited about uh, Andrew Vaughn. I'm excited about Andrew Vaughn and what he's doing so far in spring training. I was pumped about Joan Moncada. I mean, I remember I was all in a few years ago on that guy, and and, and you know I've had to temper my expectations down to this is what he is and this is what he can be. It's not going to be the thing that had me all super excited about him when he showed up. I've been excited about Aloya Menez. And just want him to have one healthy season and hit 40 home runs because I think he's that kind of guy.
1: See, but I think we were were robbed of some of this, though, because of the 2020 season. I
0: think we were. We were ripped off a little bit because of what was going on in 2020. I think that, and that's why maybe it feels like a little bit of a new feeling, even though it really isn't a new feeling. There were plenty of times I felt excited about players on this team. We have some guys who just didn't come out right away, out of the gate, had a big year, you know, in their rookie year. I mean, I, I, well, Luis Robert in the 2020 season was spectacular for like a month and, then, and a half, but then he had a big slump, right? Exactly. And so like, like I'm curious to see, you know, here's a guy who I'm excited about, who's doing well in spring training. Let's see what he does and how long he can keep it up and how his whole year goes. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, at second base, Elvis Andros is pretty much showing everybody he's the second baseman he, he's learning the position very well. He's hitting very well. He's saying all the right things when he talks about other players, where the team should go. You can see that team leadership thing that we keep getting told about from beat reporters like James Fegan and Scott Merkin when they come on the show and we read articles about this. We all know that Elvis is probably moving over and backing up T.A. whenever T.A. needs a day off. Speaking of Tim Anderson, who's away at the WBC, let's nerd out about shortstop this week with the Sox nerd. <laughs> The Sox Nerd is brought to you by the Law Offices of Parente and Norum. If you've been injured, you need a team that will do what it takes to fight for your rights. Insurance companies only care about one thing: the bottom line: the law offices of Parente and Norum has a team with experience, dedication, and proven results it takes to get you the care and compensation you deserve. Saxon Baseman listeners, get a free case evaluation. Call or text them today at 312-641-5926 or visit pninjurylaw.com. Dave Marin works in the scoreboard over at the race. He is the Sox Nerd. Follow him on Twitter, at Sox Nerd, and he's got so many stats and trivia tidbits, and he's lucky, we're lucky enough for him to join us here on Sox in the Basement each and every week. How are you, Dave?
2: Fantastic, Chris. How are you?
0: I'm good, man. I'm, I'm ready to learn about shortstop while my shortstop is out at the World Baseball Classic.
2: Here we go. Are we ready to accept the fact that Tim Anderson is one of the great shortstops in White Sox history? After all, by year's end, T.A. will have more games at shortstop than the trailblazing Chico Carrasco, and more runs at the shortstop than the underrated Alexei Ramirez. More impressively, Anderson should become the most prolific home run hitting shortstop in team history, surpassing the stash, Jose Valentin, and will join Appling, Guillen, Aparicio, and Ramirez as the only White Sox shortstops with 1,000 hits. In some categories, Anderson is already a great White Sox shortstop. Only Luke Appling has hit for a higher batting average for the Sox while playing the position than Anderson. And only Valentin has a higher slugging percentage while manning the position than Anderson. And Chris, while we are talking about Tim, let's revisit the beginnings of our relationship, shall we? I remember on one of my early spots on the Sox in the Basement podcast brought to you by Cork and Carrie at the Park, I really pushed for Tim Anderson becoming the Sox leadoff hitter. This was a few years ago when Anderson really wasn't being used regularly in the top spot. I recall saying that Tim's combination of speed and power at the top of the lineup reminded me of what Ricky Henderson brought to the role. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, Chris. I based all of that on Anderson's performance as the first batter of the game. And for a while I was looking like a genius as Tim hit 350, 375, 364, 750, and 404 igniting games for the White Sox between 2016 and 2020. I got a little worried in 2021 when Anderson had a career low and a career high 23 games starting off, but last season, Tim hit 293 leading off games, which was a 35 and point improvement from 2021, which hopefully was an aberration. Included in his 2022 totals were two game-starting home runs, which brought his career total to 15, which is five behind Ray Durham's club record. And one more thing, if I may, these new rules limiting throws to first and expanding the bases, I think are great for Tim Anderson. I think teams are going to steal more, and that's beneficial for the Sox because when T.A. steals, he usually makes it, as his 80% stolen base percentage shows. And with Elvis Andrews 11 for 11 last season, Luis Robert at 81% and Billy Hamilton 9 for 9 for the Sox in 2021, I can see the Sox really boosting their running game this season. All this is one long-winded way of saying I'm still at peace with Timmy in the top spot.
0: I'm with you. I agree. I, I I remember when you came on. I remember when you first talked about it. I remember we entertained it because you had brought up all of those st- uh, stats yeah. and you you were right about that. And, you know, the only concern I remember at the time was uh, his his BABIP, the, the amount of luck that it seemed like when you went inside the numbers that he had. And you were like, well, eventually that luck's going to run out. But in the end, it just turned out he's one of those guys that can hit it where they ain't. He just has that skill. It's not luck as much as skill.
2: And one of the other things I wrote down here was I was watching the uh, uh, World Baseball Classic last night, and that's exactly what he did. He had two really unbelievable Tim Anderson-type hits. He had one that went to the opposite field, and he had a double down the line. And also, I don't know if you saw it, but he made a great running catch in foul territory. So I am really excited for Tim Anderson 2023. You got a zinger? Let's go. I got a zinger. Tim Anderson is one of three Sox first-round picks to start on opening day at shortstop for the club. The other two, Bucky Dent and Lee B.B. Richard.
0: I'm glad you didn't ask me whether or not I knew that one because no. there was no chance. no.
2: no. <laughs> and one more. With Great Britain urging as the darling of the world baseball classic, I thought I'd throw out this gem. Did you know that when the White Sox went on their world tour of 1913, they once played a game against the Giants at Wembley Stadium with King George VI in attendance, and the White Sox sailed to England on the Lusitania. Wow.
0: Look at you. That This is why I have you on. That's great stuff, man. Uh, check out everything that uh, the Sox Nerd writes about. You can get a link to his blog right through SoxInTheBasement.com. You can follow him online at Sox Nerd, and you'll hear him again next week right here on Sox in the Basement. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. Who's going to be the utility guy behind Elvis? That when Anderson sits down and Elvis moves over to short, plays second. That's moving around the field. Because Lurie Garcia has done everything he can to lose the job, even with the $11 million. He's not hitting the ball very well. He's totally luring it up over at the plate. I saw him get thrown out with one out, leaving second base like he thought there were two outs the other day. And getting doubled off on a a weak fly ball to center field that nobody in their right mind would have thought was going to drop in. He's not playing well. He's giving every opportunity. But Lennon Sosa is now officially down in the minor leagues. He, he's moved out of major league camp. He's on his way to AAA. You you have Romy Gonzalez doing absolutely nothing at the plate. Uh, do, you, do you really think that Hanser Alberto is going to steal that job? I mean, he's had a, a few at-bats. He's not doing too bad, but it's such a small sample size. The manager seems to love him. But, I mean, he wouldn't even be getting at-bats if you didn't have Mancada out for the WBC. If you didn't have Tim Anderson out for the WBC, you would be barely seeing that guy. I mean, it's right there for somebody to take, and I still think it's going to be Garcia breaking camp with the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other guy, is Eric Gonzalez Do anything for you? I mean, he's a utility guy no. that's had some play in the majors. No.
0: People in Pittsburgh didn't like Eric Gonzalez.
1: Uh, it's disappointing for Romy Gonzalez because, I mean, his his what he's doing at the plate is just nothing, nothing. I mean, he's hitting... Under 100. That's hard to do. It's almost harder to hit that badly.
0: Yeah, well, Well. it's a small sample size. I'm going to sit here and say, let's see how he finishes up for spring. Like, here's the thing. You know, nobody's won that spot yet. They still got a couple of weeks to do it, but it is really in doubt as to who's going to be breaking camp as that utility guy that's moving about the field.
1: And it's possible it's not somebody we're thinking of either, that, you know, they could just be looking at some other team and somebody that that is going to get dropped, that they're going to yeah sit there and say maybe we're gonna pick this guy up and put him in that spot if we think it's better. Confidence, right? And and that's that's I think what ends up being important in a bench guy and a utility guy is who is the manager most confident in. Them. I mean that's why Larry Garcia we think has the contract he has is because Tony was in love with him and thought he was, you know, a, a vital cog on this team and a very important player. I will tell you this I do not think it's Jake Berger in spite of the four home runs. I know everybody keeps seeing him hit these bombs and is like, hey, Burgers, really making it hard on him. I see his 12 strikeouts and one walk, and I'm thinking, you know, they're probably okay with him being down in AAA to start off the season. As a, as, a, as the first bat called up in, in the case of, you know, some sort of an injury where you need to rotate the team around a little bit and try and find some room for a, an impact hitter.
0: Jake has not won a spot. Gavin Sheets, you know, he's hitting 240. I think if both of them don't do anything special, the left-handed hitter coming off the bench is going to be more valuable than the right-handed hitter coming off the bench. It'd be a good time to sit down and have a couple of beers over at Hailstorm Brewing Company in Tinley and have a conversation about it with other White Sox fans. I see them streaming and out of there all the time. I was there for lunch on Saturday afternoon. I was all over the place. If If you're listening to this show, I've actually told you my entire weekend. I never stopped moving. I was at a party Saturday night, I was at Hailstorm in the afternoon, I was at the Southside Irish Parade on Sunday. I never slept, okay? I was acting like I was 22 years old, but I'm nowhere near that anymore. But I, I was out at Hailstorm, and I, I, I had this brown ale. It's an imperial brown at 9% called the Oaks. And normally when I have something like that, I'm like, all right, that's one. Let's go to something lighter. No, no, no! I was going at that point. That beer was spectacular. It was, it was like one of those things where you can't get something like that in most breweries around the South Side. If you're out in Tinley, go check it out. And then we also had the uh, the wings. Their wings are like giant wings. They're like pterodactyl wings. They're like the biggest chicken wings I've ever had in my entire life with multiple sauces in it. They're open for lunch these days. In fact, they open up at 11 a.m. every day. They have lunch specials. Get over there, have a beer, have some great food from their scratch kitchen in the middle of your day or spend the evening over at the Beer Hall Working Brewery with the incredible tap room over in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue, the official brewery of Socks in the Basement. Learn more at hailstormbrewing.com.
1: Well, let me throw a name at you for uh, as the dark horse candidate to kind of maybe take that Larry Garcia spot. You have a dark horse candidate. I do have a dark horse candidate as I'm looking at it. Okay, go for it. Who is it? Zach Remillard. No. Really? Yeah. Come on, they're not going to make that move. Why, why not- him? Uh, he's played all over the place in the minors, so he's played outfield, he's played infield. Uh, his 235 average isn't anything to write home about, but it's better than anything Romy or, or Larry are doing. 852 OPS, he's drawn some walks. Uh, I think he's a guy that they could potentially sit there and say if they wanted to if they wanted to take Larry out of it, if Pedro Graffold does not want Larry Garcia on this team, they could they could sit there and, and make a case for Zach Remillard to, to make the jump up. I don't know. I mean I,
0: I I mean that would be that'd be pretty dark horse. I guess that's what the definition of a dark horse is.
1: Well yeah, I, I'm not saying he's the front runner. I'm saying that he's the guy lurking in the shadows. Like if I had the it right now
0: looking at where they're at in camp, I would say Lurie goes just because of the contract. But that Hans or Alberto could take it from him. But Romy has done nothing. He's done right. nothing to take this job. He's not doing anything right now that would make them say, Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna eat that money. And because he's so much heads and tails better, and you can see it right here in spring than Larry Garcia.
1: Yeah. You were, you were hoping I think for Romy Gonzalez to take the, the horns. And, and I, I agree with you. Look at Dylan sees that ridiculously bad start he had. Clearly he was working on something and, and trying something Yeah, you know, but I also, I think there's some key stats that you look at and some guys that are trying to do some stuff. And one of them I think is stolen bases, right? So you got a guy like Adam Hazley who's out there now. First of all, he's hitting pretty well, but he's he's stealing, he's running right, and that's the new thing. You've got all of these new rules that are designed to allow stolen bases to be a little bit easier. So, who's taking advantage of that? And you know, Hazley, Billy Hamilton, Zach Revillard are you know the only guys with more than one steal on the team. And I also look at you know some of the pitching stuff too, and I know some people have noticed like. Frankie German. Franklin German is having a really good uh really good spring. Nick Avila, the rule five pick, having a really good spring.
0: They both look really good. And by the way, it's it's Franklin German. It's not Herman. Hey,
1: Frankie German.
0: Okay, so, but he 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 looks good. Here's what I always feel about relief pitchers. They really are a dime a dozen. If you could find something that works, they can get on a heater, like a guy who's playing poker, you know, in Atlantic city, whole world's turned around. And then very quickly, a couple hours later, he's blown it all. And what teams need to do with a lot of relief pitchers is find the heater and run with it. And that's why when you have a couple of contracts sitting in this bullpen that really, you know, you're thinking twice about it before you decide to move on from a guy and go for a guy that you're really not paying any money who might be on the heater that's where the decision making of the front office and the coaching staff will really come into play here in spring because you you want to go with the guys who are who are going you know, who have found something this year, who the pitching coach says, yeah, he's added this pitch, or you hide him for a little while down in A if you're able to get away with it, and you use him later on in the year because nobody has a lot of film on him and he's changed something or his approach is different. I also think a lot of these relief pitchers are benefiting from being able to get up and just pitch. They're not thinking too much and they can get the batter off balance. Those that will use these new rules to their advantage are going to all of a sudden be a different player than what they used to be.
1: Oh, and that, that's absolutely the truth. And you wonder... Franklin German, been in the majors, struggled a little bit. You wonder if some of these rule changes have helped him. It's it's kind of hard to, to sit there and quantify that, right? But you look at – what you do look at is he's got one walk. Nick Avila's got no walks uh, so far. They've each pitched six innings. Th- that tells me that they're getting up and throwing strikes, right? Uh, you know, they're getting hit a little bit, but that happens in spring training. It's not necessarily a bad thing that they're giving up hits. They're striking out guys – and they're not walking guys. And, you know, you look at Lance Lynn's numbers, 12 strikeouts, two walks. Lucas Giolito, nine strikeouts, two walks. So the guy I wonder who's got a contract that that may or may not be on the outs is Jake Diekman. But then again, he's also not pitching absolutely terribly right now based on the six strikeouts and one I walk. I know, but, so, you know, again, eh. I, I,
0: I, you know, this is a guy who's got such a track record. Of he's going to
1: break our hearts. I,
0: I I said it when we brought him on the team.
1: I said it when we brought it on the team last year. I was like, "This guy's you gonna did.
0: break your heart." Okay, he really is. And he's like he one did. of those guys that is considered to be better than he is because he throws with his left hand instead of his right. Like that's that's really what he is. And oh, he's yours right now, unless they change their mind about what they're going to do. Uh, and he he's he's not cheap. Uh, you know, he's not he's not cost prohibitively expensive, but he's not cheap. Before we get out of here, how about some positive things? That I've really been excited about. Uh, the question may have been, "What is Yasmani Grandal going to be this year?" Well, he looks healthy and he's hitting the crap out of the ball in a small sample size. 381 with an OPS over a thousand. That's exactly what you want from him. Andrew Vaughn, what's he going to be this year? Well, he's had 31 at bats. He's 10 for 31 over 11 games. He's hitting 323. I'm happy about what I'm getting from him. Like there's guys on this team right now that were question marks that at least in spring look good, right? Like you're like, hey, like I'm filled with positivity right now. I'm overly positive. I'm so positive. I'm not worried about Andrew Benintendi. Because, again, it's a small sample size. I'm not worried about Dylan Cease. I don't know what's going to happen with this utility thing. But I see so many positives right now in the spring. And I'm going to tell you, again, I go back to what I started talking about at the beginning of the show. Yoan Mankata in the WBC doing the thing that I said we need to see from him in the WBC. I don't care what class of player he's doing it against. He needs that more than anybody He needs to play well there, and he's doing well.
2: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.